welcome to episode 47 of the Night Gallery Podcast. My name is Chris Brown. Today we're talking about the last story of episode 9 of uh, season 2. It's called Hell's Bells. It was uh, written and directed by Theodore J. Flicker. And it's based on a short story, in uh, this case, by Harry Turner. Uh, now, Harry's story was uh, a very English kind of tale. And um, this is a very kind of kitschy American version with both with the same ideas as uh, with John Aston very much being um, a very American kind of hippie-ish uh, damned man. Our final selection this evening, an import from that other region, that infernal inferno down below, offered to you now in living color and with a small scent of sulfur. Our painting is called Hell's Bells. Our story starts with a crashed car. And our man Randy, who is um, like, you know, dark glasses, a terrible kind of hippie haircut and a big beard, is flung into the afterlife after his car explodes. Um, He passes angry, howling, screaming demons declaring him doomed. Uh, Their faces might be quite familiar to uh, Night Gallery fans, but we'll talk about that later. And he's flying through, and then he finally gets rather abruptly thrown into what appears to be a waiting room. There's um, seats, rather a dull desk, um, quite a plain place, and a, a large list of rules that that you should, you can and can't do. You're not allowed to smoke or stand. There's no littering or drinking or talking. Um, you can't sleep, and you can't disturb anybody either. Amongst all these rules, um, a woman appears and berates you and tells you off if you break any. So, our man Randy decides to drop a bit of litter to get her attention. And then asks her what's going on. She says that it's very busy these days in hell. And unfortunately they've had to introduce a waiting system. But not to worry. Soon enough it'll be his time to be damned. And he'll be able to walk into that um, the, the next room. And get, you know, his eternal comeuppance. See, Randy's quite excited by this idea though. He, he, sees, um, he sees hell possibly as a quite interesting place. Um, you know, if it'd been a few years later in the 80s, and we can imagine him thinking it'd be like Iron Maiden uh, LP covers, and that kind of excites him a little bit. Well, that's pretty far out. So, this is it, huh? Hell. Man, how bad can it be? So finally, he goes into this dreaded room, and instead of it being dark pits of sulphur, instead it has a, a rather more a dull look to it. It is um, horribly decorated, hot, nasty wallpaper, even by 70s standards. There is a huge record player, with a stack of records that goes nearly to the ceiling, uh, but they're all easy listening. There's a man in there who is likely a kind of a farmer. But he's a simple bloke and quite a, a yokel. 
and um, he's unable, our Randy, to get any decent conversation out of him, anything really of any any worth. Also, in another corner appears a couple who are excitedly showing slide after slide after slide of their trip to Mexico. It appears that this, this slideshow could continue for hours. Absolutely furious as Randy is at this stage. He decides to call effectively for the management and get, hell, uh, get Satan around to describe exactly what's going on. Satan appears, but he isn't what you would imagine he would look like. He has instead, uh, well, he's a little fella with horns and a tail, but a slightly more camp demeanor than you would imagine. Hey, tell me, what is this put on? I beg your pardon? No, I mean, I mean how long are you going to keep me in this dumb room? I mean, when do we go to hell? The whips and the chains, the boiling oil, snakes, all that stuff. This is it? What do you mean, this is it? This is hell? Yes. This first one I took from the freeway in San Diego. My dear boy, hell is never what you expect it to be. But for you, this is it. Don't you like it? Oh, man, it's a downer. Yes, it is, isn't it? Of course you can't see it too clearly because Fred was driving so fast. You know, it's a curious thing, but they have exactly the same room up there. You mean that guy, those slide people, this wallpaper, they got that in heaven? Yes, you see, while this room is hell for you, absolute beastly hell, up there, the identical room is someone else's idea of heaven. So this is this is Randy's hell, uh, being locked in a room with a bit of a pillock, who's a nice guy to be fair to him, but just not very clever. Um couples who are excitedly showing holiday snaps and easy listening music um, for all eternity um, Randy takes a look round realises he's basically been done uh, falls to the floor screaming and howling with his e- hands over his ears just praying that this nightmare will finish for him and that's the story Um it's a nice way to close off the episode. It's, um, it's nine minutes long. It's quite quite short and sweet, but it actually has um, you know a bit of a bit of character to it. Um, John Aston is, in actual fact, um, a real asset to Night Gallery. He um, obviously stars in this. And he's also in uh, Pamela's Voice as well. But also, he directed three stories within the series. The, the one of the ones that we're talking, well, the one we're going to talk about next. The Dark Boy is a, is a very good one. Um, it's one of those ones with a lot of heart and, and not a lot of scares, but a, you know a classic ghost story. Um, and I look forward to talking about that. But so Aston, despite you know being you know it's Gomez Adams basically, uh, and you know he'll always be known for that, is also you know has this great. You know, he has a great comic turn and he's a good comedian. And in this case, he's, he, he's able to really show his, his comedic chops. I think he has great fun doing it. Also, Fiatal uh, J. Flicker uh, is the devil in this. 
he he pops up as the devil and uh, again does a nice little comic turn he seems to be really enjoying himself i know a lot of the time you know it can be easy to say particularly his fun stuff well at least the the, you know, the cast had a good time making it i think in this case it's fair to say that you know that comes across on the screen and really helps the story along even though you know you can have a feeling when it's the hit when, 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 once you're in that um that waiting room you've got a feeling you know what's going to happen you know what i mean that I was, I, when I was watching it, uh, and I, I hadn't read the short story beforehand, but I have now, uh, you know, you kind of get the feeling that probably hell would be a waiting room for a lot of people rather than actually brimstone and, and fire and that kind of that kind of gag. Um, some of the more eagle-eyed amongst you will have noticed that a lot of this fun that I've been talking about also extends into the fact that uh, Flicker managed to get Jack Laird and Gene Kearney on board as well as a uh, as Randy John Aston plunges towards uh, the you know his hellish dimension, he is uh, mocked and scorned by three demons, uh, played by Theodore J. Flecker, Jack Laird, and Gene Kearney, all in rather heavy and rather silly demonic makeup. You know the story itself, the actual short story is based on. I said before, and it's true, it's quite an English tale. His uh, your, your man's hell there is um, very much uh, well it's books of Reader's Digest and relentless playing of the sound of music in a quite comfortable room which uh, I think a lot of people would be slowly driven mad by that there's lots of little touches that make you think that's obviously been written by Brit as well the uh, the devil's called the governor which is like a you know prison warden turn and um you know, he gets killed by an E-type jag as well. So that kind of very much places it in a certain t- time in, um, in, in, in English history. Um, the E-type being kind of a, a late 60s, early 70s icon. And uh, still an icon to this day, but, but for that time. Um, the script, this, in this case, Theodore's managed to, you know, make it more American and make our character quite, you know, quite a, you know a silly aging hippie and i think that works really well too a man in truth he was a bit out of his time by by the early 70s but um you know what he will possibly wouldn't let the, the 60s go and um in that sense i think it, it works quite well um i, I said you know in, in when we were talking about a question of fear um the uh the one facing uh leslie nielsen and um, directed by Jack Laird, that it, well, it was written by by, by Ted Flicker, and um, it, the reason why he turned it down was his experiences on this. Um, so I suppose we should get into this really. I mean, this story is, is the main reason why Ted Flicker didn't actually continue to be on you know on Night Gallery uh, work on, within it. Um, it was because of, well, he had problems with the director of photography, Lionel Linden, Curly, as they called him. Um, the story is that Curly basically uh, took real offence as director of photography to two things. One was the way that Flicker was, um, you know, he wrote it, he directed it, and he also wanted to be a major actor within the, the, the play, and that irritated Curly considerably. But also um, because, um, well, the way that the the films, you know, the way that stuff was directed as well, the way he worked, um, you know, they clashed over 
the men how things were shot and that, that led to arguments both in front of and behind camera and also you know um, just just some pretty grim behaviour from uh, from Curly as the, the quote that's in um, Scott Scoutman Jim Benson's After Our Tours book says as a director I really don't like cutting film a lot I prefer to shoot everything in masters and he couldn't understand that he was so angry at me for that that I would stage a whole scene right up to almost the last foot of film in a magazine. He'd say, well, we don't have that much film in the magazine. And I would say, Mr. Linden, would you then get a fresh magazine that has a full load in it? And he'd just go berserk. His behaviour on the set became antagonistic. He was openly sarcastic, insulting and uncorruptive. It was the single most unpleasant experience I have ever had on a TV show. Although the studio wanted me to come back and direct more, including my script for A Question of Fear, because of Curly, I refused. And, you know, that's that's a shame. That is a shame. Um, it's probably for the best, in truth, considering the fact that um, A Question of Fear was, you know, admittedly, it was cut, part of this was because it was under Jack Laird's um, control as the director. But... Um, the part, one of the big problems was because that you know the, it was a lot to film and it was a very tight and quite cinematic and dramatic piece that uh, possibly Tefleka would have would have struggled um, mainly because you know just because of these kind of conflicts if Kelly had continued to be so aggressive I think with such you know, a tight shooting schedule as he had on on Question of Fear they would have probably had even more trouble trying to get it out and that's a that's a real shame. Um, Aston only speaks fondly of uh, Flicker during the during the making of this. He says he has a lot of respect for him for being able to get it, get the work done, and um, you know, despite the obstacles, the piece in question, this piece, is a very nice piece. It is it is cutely done, and I, I agree. It is a, it is very unpleasant and a very good fun piece to end. Um, the jokey segments don't tend to work that well in Night Gallery but in this case I think because of the way it's been put together I 